good to be with you uh, here this morning. Uh, glad to be here and just glad to get the opportunity to, to dive into God's Word together. I wanted to start by, by telling you a story uh, about a friend of mine who moved with his family to Japan uh, to do missions work. Um, and he and his family had been there uh, not very long, maybe a, a month or two at the most. And uh, we're just there trying to learn the language, uh, trying to get to know people, trying to connect and stuff like that. And uh, he decided his family needed a break, so he took them all to a, a, a local amusement park. And he saw uh, there was a bumper car ride, so he's like, I'm so there. Uh, so he gets on and is just having the time of his life driving around, bumping into other people, and just laughing his head off. Now, the weird thing that's going on is that every single person he's bumping into is giving him, like, this, this death glare. Like, what is the matter with you? Why are you doing this? You know, like, like really upset that he is bumping into them. And, and he's starting to get confused and, and wondering why they're all upset about this. And uh, so he gets off the ride and decides, you know, maybe I'll, I'll watch... I'll watch them ride the bumper cars and see if there's anything different than, than what just happened here. And, and maybe I can get a clue as to why they're, they're all angry, because, like, what in the world is wrong with these people? Um, and so he watches the next one go, and uh, all these uh, Japanese people hop into their, their bumper cars and very nice and neatly, without bumping anybody else, just go around in a circle, you know, <laughs> until the ride is over and then they get off and they're all smiling and looking like they had a great time. <laughs> this is part of missions work and, and getting to know the culture and the people uh, and all that kind of stuff. See, the problem wasn't with them, even though he thought it was. The problem was actually with him and the way that he was approaching the bumper cars. But isn't that so often how we approach life? Uh, we assume that the problem is, is out there and, and not with us. And it applies to so much else like, oh, the dice were loaded, or, um, oh, the sun was in my eyes, or uh, I can't believe how horrible those drivers are, right? It's always them and it's never us. It's always their problem and not ours. But in reality, if we're honest with ourselves... Most of the time, the problem isn't out there. The problem is with me, myself, and I, and I have an eye problem. <laughs> so that's, that's our title for this morning. I'll explain it a little bit. Um, I'm excited about it, but let's take a look at our passage this morning. We're in J uh, James chapter 4. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open there. James chapter 4. We're looking at verses 1, 2, and 3. It's a pleasant passage. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get 
on your pleasures. Let me pray and just devote our time to God this morning. God, I do just ask that you be present here this morning, that you just invade every heart. God, that you push your word in this morning. God, that we hear from you. God, let us receive with open hearts, especially for this passage that is challenging and difficult and definitely convicting. God, let us be honest with ourselves this morning uh, and uh, really just dive into where we're at. God, so that we can walk out of here closer to you, more excited about you, more passionate about you, and more passionate about spreading your name to those that need to hear it. God, please use me this morning, and please just speak through me, and let your words uh, uh, speak and ring true this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So there are three different problems, as as I was studying and looking at this passage, there are three different problems in this passage, and and all the problems have a root of selfishness. If you remember nothing else today, remember that this life is not about you. See, this is a challenging thing for us to get because we live in the Bay Area, and so we have this uh, mindset of entitlement, Uh, especially uh, the younger generation has this idea of entitlement. You know, I, I remember I was in seventh grade. And uh, I played in this basketball league, and everybody that participated got a trophy. Now, this has become the norm, but back in that time, it was like brand new. And I was like, wait, why are they getting a trophy? Like, we won. They didn't. We should get the trophy and be the only ones. But like, everyone in the league got a trophy. A, a good job, hoorah, yay for you trophy. Um, and, uh, and so now we've got this, this idea of, of entitlement, like I deserve and I should get, and uh, why don't I have? And uh, it, it's just pervasive in our culture, and it's so hard to avoid. Uh, I, I see this a lot on American Idol as well, as, as people step up there uh, to, to sing confident that they are just the greatest singer of all time, and then they start. And the the judges know that they're horrible, the rest of the world watching knows that they're horrible, but the one person in the room that doesn't know that they're horrible is them. Why? Because they have been told their entire life, you are a great singer, you can do anything if you just set your mind to it, No, that's not the case. Some people have been gifted to sing and some people haven't. And clearly, some of these people that are getting up there have not been gifted to sing. But because they've been told that, because they've just been encouraged and not been dealt with honestly, they they step in here with this this entitlement like, hey, I I worked hard at this and, and I took lessons, so I should be able to be a rock star. I should get what's coming to me. I'm entitled. I was reading uh, in, in my daily quiet times just a few days ago in, in Matthew, uh, the parable of the, the workers in the vineyard. And uh, 
this vineyard owner goes out to hire some people to work in his, in his vineyard. And he, and he gets some people and, and agrees on a payment uh, to them at the beginning of the day and they start working. And as the day goes on, he continues to draw more people into the vineyard, more people working. And then he goes to pay them at the end of the day. And he starts with the people that started working there last. And as he goes through, regardless of the amount of time worked, he pays every single person the exact same. Now, I'm sure, even if you don't know the parable, you can imagine that the people that were hired first, as soon as they get up to the owner of the vineyard, they've got a few choice words for them. Hold on a second. Why are they getting paid as much as I am, and they worked so much less than I did? And he says to them, look, we agreed on this wage, right? At the beginning of the day, we agreed that this is what you were going to work for. You were fine with it. You went in and worked. How can you tell me what to do with my money? If I want to be generous, let me be generous. It's my money. You know, I decide to pay them a higher wage. So what? See, we're entitled. We feel like, you know, I, I should get what's coming to me. And uh, it's just rooted within us. Well, let me give you some harsh reality. This is a challenging passage. There's some challenging truths in it. Let me give you some harsh reality. I love this. I know it's kind of hard for you to read. Uh, but it says, you are one person out of seven billion people on one planet out of eight planets in one star system out of a hundred billion star systems in one galaxy out of a hundred billion galaxies. And you are enormously insignificant. Enormously insignificant. Now, here's the thing. The Bible speaks to this same truth. In Job 35, it says this, Look up at the heavens and see. Gaze at the clouds so high above you. If you sin, how does that affect Him? Him being God. If your sins are many, what does that do to Him? If you are righteous, what do you give to Him? Or what does He receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects only a man like yourself, and your righteousness only the sons of men. See, uh, in Job it's saying here that there is nothing you can do, good or bad, that can affect God's essential nature. God is so big, and we are so small. In Psalm 8 it says this, When I consider your heavens, God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. See, if we really start to think a little bit, our entitlement means nothing when compared to the majesty of God. Our entitlement means nothing when compared to the majesty of God. It's not about you. A right perspective of who we are in the grand scheme of things should help us alleviate our selfishness. But it's too easy for us to forget. So let's take a look at three I problems. 
three problems that we have with ourself, with our selfishness. Let's take a look at these three that James points out in this passage. So the first I problem, and uh, if you've got some notes and you're following along, uh, this is your first blank fill-in. The first I problem is the I problem of desire. The I problem of desire. Verses 1 and the first half of 2 say, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. Never happened to you before? Me too. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. See, James starts out by addressing an issue going on in the church. People are fighting with each other in the church. Remember, this is a book written to the church, written to Christians. And he's talking about fights, quarrels, arguments. But I think what's so great is he goes directly after the underlying problem, which is envious desire. See, these uh, chapter breaks were, uh, were done years after the Bible was written. This was just written as a letter. And uh, sometimes the chapter breaks are really good. Sometimes the chapter breaks just totally miss it. And I feel like this is one of those chapter breaks that totally missed it. Because this is a continuing thought of the passage that Dave spoke on last week. Uh, So look just back a few verses at uh, James 3, verses 14 to 16. It says this, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. See, here he's presenting these same uh, two issues. We're going to talk about uh, selfish ambition in a minute. But here he's, he's pointing to envy, bitter envy, envious desire, selfishness. And he's pointing it out as a problem and he's connecting it with worldly or earthly wisdom. Now, not only is this a problem, but it has been the root of so many problems since the beginning of time. If you think all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve had an envious desire for God's knowledge. Cain desired Abel's blessing. Jacob desired Esau's birthright. Joseph's brothers desired to be their father's favorite son, but weren't. And this is just the book of Genesis. And on and on, this this selfish ambition goes, uh, and, and these desires, I want, I want, I want, it continues throughout the Old Testament, arises often in the New Testament, and continues on today. Now, obviously, uh, my title is a spoof of, anyone? Apple, Apple, right. Um, But who would have known that even without the picture? Okay? Good chunk of you, right. Uh, 
I looked up the, the definition for the I prefix. There's actually a definition. Uh, thank you, Wikipedia. Um, and it says, alluding to cutting edge or fashionable digital devices and computer programs, especially those from Apple. Fashionable, cutting edge. We all want to be fashionable. We all want to be cutting edge. And Apple's products are highly desired by many. It'd be fair to say, a lot of people want their iPhones, want their iPods, want their iPads, want their, you know, i-whatevers. But that, of course, is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, earthly desire is not just normal, it's assumed. I mean, think about conversations you've had. Well, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want? Are you going to get the new fill-in-the-blank? And this whole thing is, like, forced on us. Yeah, you, You've seen those cheesy commercials that are usually on like Channel 36 or whatever, you know, but it's the person that, you know, has this ever happened to you? And their mopping and their mop like falls into seven different parts. Yes, it has. And then you see this amazing mop that like is built out of titanium and, you know, will last like until like your great grandkids are dead uh, and they're all going to use this amazing mop. And you go, I need that. And you're all excited about this mop. Now, Two minutes before, you didn't even know the mop existed. You were fine without the mop. You, the, and all of a sudden, now you need this mop. And it's all built into our society. It's all just forced on us all this time. You need more. You need more. You need more. We talk about uh, things we have. We talk about the things we want to get. Even more so, we talk about the things that others have and why we want those for ourselves. In fact, I've had conversations uh, talking about how I would be better suited to have what someone else has, right? Like, why do they drive that car? I would drive that car so much better. Or why do they have that shirt? That shirt would look so much better on me. Or whatever it is, like desire, 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 it's just so there. And uh, see, many Americans have so much stuff, they're running out of room to store it, which is why the storage business is becoming so huge in the U.S., you probably recognize these signs. Go to some other country, and they'll have no clue what this is. No clue. According to, God bless Wikipedia, uh, the self-storage industry is primarily a United States-based industry. Of the 58,000 storage facilities worldwide in 2009, that was 58,000. 46,000 were located in the United States. We've got all this stuff. We don't have room to put it, so we buy more room so that we can have more stuff. But see, it's not just desire that's the problem. Because we all know that desire is not automatically a bad thing. But the fact that this desire is envious makes it an issue. <clears throat> the fact that this desire is envious makes it an issue. I mean, I, I get to see this at home, right? Uh, I have two boys, Micah and Gabriel, and uh, Micah will be playing happily, and then all of a sudden, Gabe picks up a toy that's near Micah. Was Micah playing with the toy? No. But all of a sudden, Micah has to have that toy. Why? 
because it's in Gabe's hands. Not because it's an interesting toy. It's just like, hey, he has it. Now I want it. It's an envious desire. I'm absolutely terrified to send my kids to school because they're going to come home and be like, Dad, Dad, do you know what my friend so-and-so has? Do you know what they have? Dad, Dad, everyone at school has this and I don't. It's almost like him, you know, them saying to me, how dare you d- deprive me of something? You know, you are hurting my social status by not giving me this thing that everybody else has. I'm absolutely terrified of it. Absolutely terrified. Now, thankfully, as adults, we grow out of this, and this just never is an issue. Uh, so, so that's a beautiful thing, right? Uh, <laughs> envious desire. Like, it just... I, I almost just didn't have words to talk about because I was like, yeah, everyone gets this idea. It's just built in to each and every one of us. Now, before we get to the next I problem, uh, I wanted to point out a really cool word in chapter or in verse one, and it's the word battle. It says, "What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you?" See, the beauty is that things aren't as bad as they seem. Keep your finger in James and flip over to Romans chapter. Excuse me, Romans chapter seven. Keep your finger in James and flip over to Romans. Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. There's a battle going on. And the beautiful thing about James using that word is he gives them hope. It's not hopeless. He says, look, I realize that this is a battle. I realize this is a fight. This is something that is difficult for you, that is a struggle for you. So I almost see that one word and read it as an encouragement. Hey, don't give up. Keep fighting. Don't just give in to all these desires. Don't just give in to the envy. Fight against it. Stand up against it. Keep fighting the eye problem of envious desire. And I say that to each and every one of us, myself included. So we've got the eye problem of desire. Next, we've got the eye problem of motive. We've got the eye problem of motive. Second half of verse 2 in chapter 4, it says, You do not have... Because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Remember, like I said, desire is not automatically a bad thing. If the things you desire are good, 
and godly motivated, God will want to give you those things. The problem is that selfish desires creep in often and they can be hard to find. I'm going to focus on how selfish motives can creep into the church because, again, this is written to the church. Um, but, but take a look at this with me. Motives. Uh, first of all, he points out in this passage financial gain. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Maybe you've come to church before hoping for a handout. Or maybe you have relationships with certain people because you know that they're generous. Man, I want to hang out with them. You know, the last time I hung out with them, they, they bought me lunch. Now this time, man, I hope they, you know, buy me lunch in cab fare home or whatever. Um, Maybe, and, you know, hopefully this, this doesn't happen very often anymore, but it's sad to say it does. And I know people that, that struggle with this. Uh, a lot of times in the church, there are underhanded financial dealings. I mean, we know the story, uh, many of us know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who, you know, decided to, to sell this plot of land and, you know, thought that they had this great motive. Yeah, we're going to give this money to the church. Well, we're not going to give all of it. We're just going to give some of it, and then we'll keep the rest for ourselves. But they came and they said, yeah, this is all the money we got for this plot of land. And boom, they both died. God struck them dead. I'm not going to tolerate that. See, this, this motive of financial gain is just pervasive, and it's scary. Maybe... Uh, Maybe you pursue uh, personally beneficial relationships. Maybe that's a, a motive you have. You know, I hang out with this person because, you know, I get something out of it or because, you know, they, they talk about me a lot or whatever it is. Or maybe uh, you come and, and you talk to God and you pray for something that you need or the church needs and you've convinced yourself, yes, this is something I desperately need. When in reality, it's something that you want, but you're going to be spiritual about it and, and, and pray about it. And this actually happens often, and, and Dave, don't shoot me for talking about this. Um, but uh, Dave and I, we, uh, <coughs> we both love our, love our Macs and love our iPhones, and, and we've talked uh, a, a few times about getting church iPads and uh, how, how fun it would be to get church iPads. Now, a church buying iPads is not a bad thing, and it's not a wrong thing. But to, to be perfectly honest, there have been times where we've talked about it, and I get excited about it. Why? So that I can use an iPad. You know, so that I can have an iPad at, at my disposal when I need it. And it's totally selfish. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here like thinking this through and going, okay, how can we justify uh, getting one and, and, and making it look like, man, this is really kingdom-minded so that I can get an iPad in my hand and walk around and be like, ching, iPad. You know? Oh, this is, this is God's iPad, but, but I hang on to it most of the time. Um, <laughs> now, there may come a time, and, and I don't want you to be quick to judge if, if you see iPads that show up here at the church. <laughs> 
But what I do want you to do is, if you do see them, please immediately come ask me why we got them. Come ask Dave, why did we get these iPads? There had better be a doggone good reason that they are here. Because those selfish motives can creep in so easily. So easily. See, oftentimes we come to God and we try to rationalize these things away. And, and we pray about the things that we need. God, you know, my, my car is falling apart. I saw this awesome commercial for the, the Dodge Viper. And man, I need one, God. I need one. Whatever it may be. What are the motives behind your desires? Is it wrong to have desires? No. But you've got to carefully take a look at what are the motives behind those desires. So we've got this motive of financial gain. Uh, There's another motive that a lot of people struggle with in the church. And that's the motive of selfish ambition. I told you we'd we'd, uh, talk about it. Go back to James 3, uh, 14 to 16. And here, James mentions this. But if you harbor bitter envy, which we've talked about, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let me ask you a question. How much time do you spend talking about yourself? When you... You know, say hello to someone, okay, now let me talk to you about me and how great things are going or how wonderful I'm doing. If we come to the church wanting prestige, we will pound on one another. If we come to the church wanting the Lord to be glorified and our fellow Christians edified, we will pray for one another. See, what's the motive behind these conversations that you have? I admit, I had that problem. I would catch myself... You know, just saying hello to someone and then just rambling on about me and how things are going with me and and how wonderful things are with me or, you know, about the great things I do. Uh, This is a real challenge, especially when uh, Dave and I were at a conference Thursday and Friday and, and, and here we are connecting with a lot of other pastors. You know, and so the temptation is to talk about how great our church is doing and how wonderful we are doing so that the name of Neighborhood Bible Church can be lifted up. But is that the name that should be lifted up? Is that the name that's supposed to be glorified? Absolutely not. Rather, the name of Jesus is supposed to be glorified. It should be about Him and not about us and the things that we have going on. I got this out of a a commentary as I was studying this week. We come to God ostensibly to seek His glory. And we end up seeking our own. Offering as our petitions these things uh, that will make life more comfortable and convenient for us. How many of us have ever prayed for God to put us through the ringer if in so doing He can gain greater glory for Himself? Isn't that what it's about? Man, God, please, if you need me to walk through this tough time for you to get the greater glory, let it be. 
If you need me to sell everything I have and move across the world so that your name gets the glory, let it be so. But rather, so often we pray for comfort. God, it's, you know, whatever it may be. We pray for comfort. We, uh, we, we want to, you know, have a good and, and relaxed life. But if that's not putting forth the name of Christ, if that's not reaching people for Him, then we are totally missing the boat. We are totally missing the boat. Because we're about our own ambition. We're being selfish. We've got a horrible motive. I am so thankful, looking back, that God did not allow me to become a rock star. No, I never tried out for American Idol. I I know where my gifts are. Um, But uh, I had this dream when I was in college that uh, I was going to be this this great musician and, and do all these amazing things. And I, you know, recorded albums and, you know, went and played at places. And, you know, it, it just never took off. You've probably never seen my music on iTunes or anything like that. Uh, and, and rightly so. Because I kept trying to, to think in my head, like, oh, this is all about Jesus and this is all about, you know, I, I really want to just put forth his name and it's not about me. It was totally about me. I I had this desire that people would want to come up to me and shake my hand and go, you're Ben Palm. I listen to your album every single day. I never turn it off. Or they'd come up to me and just tears streaming down my face. Man, I was just going down this horrible path and then I heard your song on the radio and it changed my life. And, And that's what I wanted. I wanted people to come up to me and give me glory and give me praise. Thanks be to God that he spared me from going down that road. Thanks be to God because I had a horrible motive, totally selfish. So I pass this on to you. Every now and then, do a gut check of your prayers. What's behind them? What are you asking for? Keep the I problem of motive in check. So we've got the eye problem of desire, the eye problem of motive. And finally, we've got the eye problem of image. The eye problem of image. And I think this is the biggest issue in this passage here. And yet it's not just like blatantly said by James. Like I mentioned at the beginning, this fighting, this quarreling, that is being talked about, is happening in a church. In a church. Now remember what James said uh, in the passage that that Dave preached on last week as we've been, been looking at it. That the church's actions are earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. The church is practicing earthly wisdom. They're, they're harboring bitter envy. Uh, they're, they're focused on selfish ambition. And this is causing fights and quarrels among them. Now, what kind of picture do you think non-Christians get when members of churches fight with each other? 
or when entire churches fight with each other, how can such a church advance the cause of Christ? It can't. A church filled with anger and strife refutes its own message. It says to unbelievers, hey, come to Christ and he will change your life. And the unbelievers all around laugh and say, well, why is it that he has not changed you? That hits you right here, right? It should. What kind of image am I displaying? On the contrary, look in James 3 and see what James encourages us to focus on in order to best win those that are lost. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Peace. Not quarreling, not arguing, but rather peace. So when you're not about you, but rather about others, People notice. It's different from what this culture says. This culture says it's all about you. It's all about you getting what you want and doing the best in your life. And you do what's right for you. And I'll do what's right for me. But rather, it's not about you. And when you approach with this idea of selflessness, it just looks different. Especially in the church. Man, I want to hear about you. I want to talk about you. And churches as well. There's this uh, <clears throat> buddy of mine, Clayton. He's uh, the middle school pastor up at uh, Church on the Hill. Good buddy of mine. Love him to death. And uh, for the past year or so, now we've known each other for like seven or eight years, but for the past year or so, we have intentionally been doing ministry together. Uh, we've had an event or two where we combined our youth groups and said, hey, let's do this together. Uh, we uh, work over at John Muir Middle School and now are, are going to start a Christian club over at Dartmouth together. And it's not about Neighborhood Bible Church and it's not about Church on the Hill. That doesn't matter to us. But rather, we're about Jesus and pushing Him and just, man, how can we get more people to know Jesus? And it's so awesome working together with another believer at another church, and we're just doing ministry together. And man, you know, if some kid goes, hey, like, like I want to start coming to church, it doesn't matter to me whether he winds up going to NBC or he winds up going to church on the hill, as long as he's going to church. Because ultimately, it's not about the name of Neighborhood Bible Church. It's not about the name of Church on the Hill. It's not about the name of Church of the Chimes. It's not about the name of any church, but rather it's about the name of Jesus. And that's what we've got to be about. Let's fight to share our agreements instead of fighting to win our disagreements. Let me say that again. Let's fight to share our agreements instead of fighting to win our disagreements. 
Focus on the things that we have in common because we're on the same team. We shouldn't be fighting against other Christians. We should be excited about them. Hey, man, you're all about Jesus. Great, I'm all about Jesus too. Okay, we believe differently about this chapter. Let's talk about that some other time and let's go reach people for Jesus because that's who it's all about. It's all about Jesus. So where do I start? Where do I start with this? Have a Jesus focus. Have a Jesus focus. I mentioned earlier that this is a battle. This is a battle that we're fighting. And Paul finishes up that passage in Romans 7, talking about the battle by saying this. What a wretched man I am. And I've said exactly the same thing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to shift our focus to Jesus. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he stopped walking on water and started to sink. Don't allow yourself to sink into these eye problems where it's all about you. Rather, have a Jesus focus. See, when the focus shifts from us to Him, we have new desires. We desire for the hungry to be fed, for the needy to be cared for, for the naked to be clothed, for the sick and imprisoned to be visited. When the focus shifts from us to Him, our motive is that the gospel be preached, that believers be baptized, and that they all be taught to obey Jesus' words. And when the focus shifts from us to Him, the world sees something different when they interact with us. They don't see us. They see Jesus. And He is what this life is all about. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. It is all about you, God. Far be it from us to think that we deserve anything, to think that we're entitled to anything. But yet, God, so often we just get wrapped up and focused on our own selfish desires. We get wrapped up and focused on our own selfish motives. We get wrapped up and focused on our own selfish image. And we forget that that is not what it's all about. It's all about you, Jesus. Let that be our heartbeat as we walk out of here. Let us be passionate and excited to show others who you are, to tell others who you are, to let them see that we are different. We're fallible, but we're different. And we're excited about you. Please just invade our hearts and and give us this passion and desire for you, God, that, that our own selfishness, that our own desires, that our own motives will just fade away And that will just continue to remain focused on you and you alone.
God, when we do that, we know that these quarrels, that these arguments, that these fights, that these disagreements that we have with people in this church will start to fade away because we'll realize, man, it's about you. It's about following after you. It's about being devoted to you. It's about running after you and telling everyone we can who you are so that they will get to enjoy you forever in the same way that we will. Don't let us miss those opportunities. Don't let us waste them. Thank you so much for your love for us. And just give us the drive, the passion to spread that on to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.